I want to say something today about deliberation. And deliberation can have more than one meaning. What I mean is the ability of the mind to concentrate on a single subject or on a single text and to show a deliberate purpose and interest as opposed to a passive one. Now, we all know, and people of all age groups have discussed the fact that the, that the, that the modern Android or iPhone and Internet, some forms of television, video games, are all things that tend to shrink consciousness. And, and they tend to remove the need to exercise deliberate mental action and concentration. Now, every field of, of, of imaginative action has felt the results of this. For example, if we look at films, if we look at films, films made in the 1950s uh, and 60s still very commonly had eight, nine, and ten-minute continuous scenes. And this was extremely common in, in foreign films. It was a kind of it was kind of the measure or style of French and certain kinds of German and other European films. So it wasn't unusual to have a dialogue between two characters that lasted 10 or 12 minutes. And this gave them time to deliberate on their issue, whether it was an amorous debate or whether it was a political issue or some kind of social relation. In a movie like Bergman's great film Scenes from a Marriage, there are hours of debate and deliberation. In fact, there's almost no action in the movie, and yet the movie has a riveting effect of getting you entangled in all the nuances and memories of the relationship of the, of the man and the woman. Such a film is very rare in today's film market and almost non-existent in America, where, where the, average, the average space between cuts is about a minute and a half. And in a film that now seems deliberate and independent, long scenes are three or four minutes. These are stretching the imagination at this point. Well, if film has it, music has it too, because music, although pop songs and jazz pieces are usually somewhere between three and eight minutes long uh, and commonly very short, nonetheless, there has been an evolution from album-length listening, listening to a 45-minute album and all the songs on it, to give a picture of the artist's intention and any kind of development, to listening to iPod selections uh, on radio programs and really reducing it to a random selection of well-known songs of a certain, usually of a certain kind of musical niche. But if we keep going up the ladder, we will, we will move on to argument. Argument has been reduced in, in our daily intellectual culture to hashtag and summary, to arguments made on Twitter with 140 characters and one and a half minutes of reading. And these have now been not only produced by random citizens who make a want to make a small point when they get up in the morning, but the President of the United States, senators, philosophers, academicians, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a new way of regulating one's ideas in these very small fractions. Now, 
a play has now become something that's a, almost a test of the imaginative power to stay awake. Because a play, unlike a film, does not have a, a, a massive and sudden cuts and attractions, explosive scenes, color changes. And therefore, a play, you're listening to characters in real time who are real-life people, physical human beings, talking. And this is almost unbearable. So that the play culture, even in New York and London, has shriveled and shrunken. And people find it more and more difficult to spend two and a half hours or something of that order in the theater. And then we get finally to the novel. And you got to ask yourself, in a world where people have trouble listening to a 45-minute album or a two-and-a-half-hour play or an argument that lasts more than two or three minutes, what are they going to do with a 19th century or 20th century novel that has between five and 800 pages? And this is true of some of the greatest works of fiction, of course, War and Peace, Brothers Karamazov, most of Dickens and Thackeray and Eliot, Hardy. It's almost as though the novel, which was a novelty 150 years ago, has now become a difficult, a difficult mountain to climb of the imagination. It's almost as though the long novel, not the novel letter, the long short story, but the long novel has become a kind of mark of whether or not people will test themselves with, with, the, with the, an expansive reading. The number of people who read novels for fun has been reduced, although there's still genre fiction being read, Grisham novels and Stephen King, and certain, certain movie-connected novels are still read in great numbers. But the traditional novel of ideas or the novel of complicated relationships seems to have have gotten a smaller and smaller audience. And there's some question as to whether the novel will be a workable mode in the future given the way people divide their daily hours and time. People who read novels must learn a high degree of deliberation, that is, concentrated interest and attention to narrative and to character if they want to keep together the, the interest and the significance and the, and the energy of the story. So we can say, if we look closely, we can say that in the 60s and early 70s, those of us who went to school in that era, it was still true that girls in high school still carried huge novels under their arm, which they read in their own free time outside of class. And they had their, their feathery markers stuck in it. It, was, it could be uh, Gone with the Wind, or it could be... Uh, the Fountainhead, and many other novels, but these were of mammoth proportion, and they were read very commonly by a certain class of, of girl readers who, who didn't even think of it as a task or a problem. It was just an entertaining activity. This is practically invisible now in high school culture. The same might be said of college students of the 70s and the 60s. They not only read the books that were assigned in their class, which they were still capable of concentrating on, but it wasn't unusual for people to read novels on the side during the semester. I can remember that there was a cult for like Carlos Castaneda when I was an undergrad, or, uh, or Tolkien, or, who never appeared in classes in that era, and uh, science fiction, and uh, On the Beach, and all these kind of controversial idea novels, and also Doors of Perception, and essay 
large entity-length studies. They were read commonly in a semester by students who also were doing reading in several other courses because reading was such a part of their normal life carried over from high school that it was not considered time-consuming or added labor. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, in the future curriculum of the human mind, the future path or of the human mind, what are going to be the, the capacities of concentrated attention? And if they are shrunken to a certain point, will the discourse of the novel, of the long poem, of philosophy, of the, of the extended essay, of complex argument, of the long realistic film that, that entails elaborate speech, will those things survive into the future world? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. And is it important that they do? And it seems to me that they are important exercises in extending the muscle of thought and memory in such a way that we can expand our cognitive possibilities. And I, for one, still hope that we can produce at least a small class of people who are able to, to deliberate in the way I've been describing.